God's beloved, we return to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. This evening we're looking at verse 15. We looked at verse 1 this morning, and uh, we looked at much of the context. We'll pick it up where it kind of turns a corner and uh, adjusts with its topic. We're going to look at verse 15 this evening. And I pray that it'll, it'll really touch you. Pray that you are prepared to hear what Jesus says, almost like a question. Try to imagine him right before you as you might be before a husband or uh, a lover or uh, a wife or a brother. And they ask you, do you love me? And how that would touch your heart. Think of how Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? You know that I love you. Well, then here's what you need to do about that to show that. I, I pray that it'll really catch you tonight, catch it, uh, your heart, and cause you to pause. And Lord, you know that I love you. But he shows you how to express that this evening. And it is a brief verse. Verse 15 of John 14, Jesus says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. As it's brief, I'll read it a third time. If ye love me, keep my commandments. I wonder if the average Christian were asked, even in Reformed churches, do you love Jesus? Of course. How do you know? You'd probably very likely get a fluffy answer. I highly doubt most would say, because I love to keep his commandments. But beloved, would you and I say that? May the Lord put it on our heart that that is our answer as we leave more and more. I was thinking of, uh, well, I am thinking of uh, metaphorically here, <laughs> but, uh, you know, a mama bear, you don't mess around with a mama bear's cubs, right? You know, you got to be really careful. A mama bear is violently protective of her cubs. And, of course, we often, one of the mama bears here is laughing, I just look at you, you know. <laughs> Why? To protect them from being violated, to protect them from being disturbed, to protect them from being corrupted. Why she does this? She guards them with a furry fury. Why? Why is she so careful to guard those cubs? Because she loves them more than anything. So, beloved, may we guard and protect what we love. We do. Are we found guarding and protecting God's commandments? Are we willing to have people call us legalists when the truth is it's love? At all costs. Will we keep them safe? The Greek word here for keep, when Jesus says, keep my commandments, it could be translated guard. It is related to the idea of doing, but keeping them, guarding them, protecting that they wouldn't be violated, that they wouldn't be disturbed, that they wouldn't be corrupted, but that they'd be held up and loved and lived. Proof that one truly loves Christ is seen in one's carefully keeping his ways. I give that to you as the idea of this verse. Proof that one truly loves Christ is seen in one's carefully keeping his ways. So you might say to some, I don't believe that you love Christ. I doubt you're a Christian because you don't want anything to do with keeping his commandments. And that doesn't go together. 
Or you might point to someone and say, wow, I can see the love of Christ in that person. They love his commandments to keep and live them. And as we go through this tonight, beloved, keep in mind that to a greater or lesser degree of your desire and your effort in keeping Christ's commandments, and of course, we don't keep them perfectly, we don't earn his love, it's an expression of the love he's given to us, but still, the degree of our love or lack of love relates to the degree of our keeping or not keeping, guarding of his commandments. And he says, if you love me, if you love me, if you really love me, keep my commandments. The order of the Greek words, I think, emphasizes the idea of keeping as well. Here's a more wooden uh, translation for you. Don't be impressed. I'm looking at many tools to do this, but uh, if you love me, the commandments of mine, you keep. That's more literally the order of the words. If you love me, the commandments of mine, you keep. I think there's an emphasis there. It seems to be a bit of a chiastic structure, right? You love me, you keep. My commandments are in the middle. You could also say the commandments are emphasized in the middle, but the outward sides, if you love me, my commandments, you keep. And uh, similar to Galatians 5.20, you might recall uh, many years ago, <laughs> long, long time ago, galaxy far away, way, way up in Palomar, when you had me here for family camp, uh, right before uh, you brought me and my family back in August in 2010, and uh, then you ordained me 14 years ago today. Well, we were up in Palomar and I was teaching on sanctification and I was drawing out on the chalkboard, you might recall, the chiastic structure of Galatians 5.20. Here's what we have it in our, our translation. If we live in the Spirit, lest us also walk in the Spirit, right? But literally in the Greek, there's a chiastic structure. You know, it's like even on both sides. It's more literally in the Greek. If we live in the Spirit, in the Spirit... Let us walk. I find it helpful to, to note that. And similarly tonight, if you love me, my commandments, you will keep. And as we'll look at in a little while, walking is expressed as a, a figurative expression, a metaphor for loving God, walking with him. If you love God, walk in the spirit, keep his commands. Jonathan Edwards in his book, Charity and Its Fruit, and uh, this is what the men have been studying for a while, we still are studying, uh, he writes this, love will dispose our hearts to submission to the will of God, for we are more willing that the will of those we love should be done than of others. We have the same idea of our text in the same chapter. Look at verse 21 with me, uh, John 14, verse 21. Uh, you know, again, repetition is significant in the scriptures, especially when it's close together. Jesus says in John 14, 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. 
And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now, it isn't that we earn the love, you see, but the love is manifested. Is it expressed? And it, it shows and it grows more than if our hearts are tiny and tight and don't want to have a lot of love. You can think of verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21, because he that keepeth my commandments, uh, he it is that loveth me. It's a sign you really love me. Sign to you that you really love me. Sign to others. And then we see the same idea in verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Think of the love of the Trinity Three persons of the Trinity, that, that love for one another and that abiding. And there's an aspect of that, you know, he prays in John 17, that we'd see his glory that he had before the foundation of the world. That we'd, we'd have a window in here. We'd have more of an experience of the love of the triune God by loving Jesus, by keeping his commands. There's, a, there's an experience of the love and the doing of them. More on, more on that in a moment. Look at chapter 15, verse 10. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, there's the example, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. But there's this idea of abiding again. You might think of it naturally. It's not that the love is cut off or severed, but there's a truth that when our children obey us, that love is more able to be enjoyed. We know that discipline is also love, but that particular manifestation of abiding in one another's love is when we are walking together and our children are following close after us as we seek to follow Jesus and teach them to do the same. There's this experience of abiding love, but again, notice he says, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. If you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 21, he that keeps my commandments is the one that loves me. 15.10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. You see, there's this refrain or this repetition of a theme here. And John doesn't keep it to the gospel. He brings it to his letters. As you know, 1 John 2, verse 3, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Chapter 5, verse 3, 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. That's what John says at the end of that verse. Isn't that something to think about? They're not grievous. They're not a burden to us. Because here's how it can be, you know, kids don't want to obey. And so we have to say, don't roll your eyes while you're obeying. It's not obedience. It's not submission anyways. Or, you know, <laughs> but isn't that how we often do that with God? That's not love. Do you feel loved? Do you kids do that to you? Do you express love to one another when you obey out of only obligation but frustration? No, God's commandments are not grievous to us. On the contrary, we love them. We love his commands because we love him and his commands reflect him. Exodus 20, verse 6, Deuteronomy 5, verse 10. Remember, in both givings of the Ten Commandments, it says that those who love him keep his commandments. That's in the Ten Commandments themselves. 
Loving God with everything in you is the greatest commandment, remember Jesus says. The great Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength. And the way that Deuteronomy goes on to describe loving God with everything in you throughout Deuteronomy is to keep his commandments. Love and keeping his commandments, they just come up constantly, as you've seen, as we've been in Deuteronomy. But for instance, Deuteronomy 7, 9 to 11, the sermon for you there summarizing it was love God and keep his commandments. Love of God and keeping, guarding, doing God's commandments, keeping his laws are synonymous, almost. It's a description of what love looks like. I, I recall hearing, uh, boy, I really, I was just listening to one of his lectures today again with Ligonier. Jason Somethingopoulos, I'm sorry. Uh, boy, I'm not good with names I'm not as familiar with, but I encourage you to look at it. It's a series on worship with Ligonier Ministries right now. If you get the smart, uh, the application on your smartphone, you can listen to it most easily. I remember hearing him uh, a, a few weeks ago um, on this topic of worship, saying that the average Christian goes to worship once a month. The average Christian. I mean, that blew my mind. Here's what he said. You know, people who say they don't want to go to worship or they don't understand why they need to go to worship. He said that would blow the minds of the apostles. That would be like that doesn't compute. It would break them down like a robot. Something doesn't compute. It wouldn't make any sense. It's so not the scriptures. It's so not love. Think of this. You don't want to spend time with someone you love. You don't want to spend time with the person you love the most, with what they love the most. God loves his worship. God loves to be glorified. God loves his people. I was thinking about this driving over. Let me interrupt myself first, then I'll interrupt myself again if you don't mind. But we were driving over, we were hearing the children's psalms, children singing psalms on the CD we have. And the pastor asked them before one of the psalms, how much do you love God? And I thought, wow, thank you for asking me that right before we're going to come into this. How much do you love God? And then he gave the song, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Well, that's bless the Lord with everything in me. Love the Lord with everything in me. How much do you love the Lord? You know, and, and then I recall years ago, there was a, some visiting our church many years ago. Now, most of you won't remember who they are, but I remember I try so often. I couldn't even get them to read the fourth commandment to make the point. Why? Would you not show up for worship after I've just given you literally eight or 12 hours this week in private counseling? I kind of expected you to be in church on the Lord's Day. And, you know, it was amazing to me what they've what they told me different times is, you know, I find myself more comfortable being with non-Christians. I find myself more comfortable being in the tavern. I said, maybe that's your problem. 
I don't know how that's loving God or loving his people. More on that in a moment. Imagine, imagine your wife on a honeymoon or a, or a, or a uh, anniversary dinner. And uh, make sure you remember it, by the way, as my wife was just talking about with the lady. <laughs> make sure you remember the date of the anniversary, right? I don't even know when our anniversary is. I don't know what day I'm supposed to go worship the Lord. But imagine, you know, you're, gonna, you're supposed to go out to dinner and your wife wants to go to a certain place she loves. And you're like, oh, I have to go there. I don't want to do that. Can't we stay home and watch the game? You know, does that look like love? I don't want to, you know, honey, you go ahead with your girlfriend so I can stay home with the boys. That's not what love looks like. I don't want to be with you. I don't want to obey the greatest command in the Ten Commandments to worship the Lord and rest in him on his holy day. No, real love wants to guard and keep these things. And as the Psalm 119 speaks of, its heart breaks at the violation of these laws that should be kept so precious by others, especially other brethren, let alone the world. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, the close of Matthew's gospel, is not evangelize. It isn't evangelize. It doesn't say, go make people saved. What does it say? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you all, even to the end of the age. What is the Great Commission? Go teach people to obey me. Well, that includes obeying, believing the gospel, to be saved his way and not our way, which, of course, is not works. And uh, I'm probably going to give a sermon to you pretty soon. I think I referenced it last week, but I was so impressed with uh, when the kids had their choir concert a few weeks ago. Some of you were there. You remember that first song was this really great African spiritual? Those are my favorite ones when they do those most years. And uh, I was so impressed with the translation of this brief phrase they were singing. It was something like this. All who bow to God's authority are his people. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's really it, isn't it? And then I thought, I, I don't know if most churches would actually say amen to that. Oh, that sounds legalistic. You know. No, keeping Christ's commands is the end of the gospel of Matthew. It's the Great Commission. Teach people to do everything he says. And the call upon them is... Because you love him. Because he loved you. He died for you. He lived a perfect life for you. God loved you. He sent his son to die for you. Love him back. Do everything he commands. Welcome to what will be called heaven. Won't heaven be wonderful? Romans 13, verse 10. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Too many Christians have this big hang-up. Even Reformed Christians can get all, oh, oh, I just want to hear about justification, no sanctification. But it's about love. It's calling people to love. Love is the living of the law. Love is the fulfilling of the law, perfectly fulfilled in Christ. But he calls upon us to live in loving him back in one another. How do we know how to love the law? 
such as don't kill one another. Is that such a horrible law? Is that legalism? Don't cheat on your spouses. Is that such a horrible law? Or is that a call to love? Don't lie to one another. Don't steal from one another. Oh, these are horrible. Oh, legalism, legalism. No, that's love all right, isn't it? You don't do that to people you love. And if you love God, you don't make idols. You don't worship other gods. You don't desecrate his name. And you don't desecrate his Sabbath, but you delight in it. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. Now, that's what love is, the keeping of God's law, the keeping of his commandments, the guarding and the doing of them. What is the opposite? Well, Christ tells us, verse 24, John 14, verse 24, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father which sent me. If you don't love me, the way that is obvious is you don't keep my commandments. You don't want to. Or obviously, as we know, we don't love perfectly. Thankfully, God loved us perfectly in Christ. The degree to whether we love God better or less and need to grow in love is the degree of whether we keep his commandments or not to the greater or lesser degree. So let us test our love and let the Ten Commandments each be a way as we read them every Lord's Day morning, a way to test our love. Where's my love with the Lord? Because not obeying is not loving God. And he asks you again, do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus warns in Revelation 2 verse 4, he warns the church of Ephesus, you've lost your first love. You know what a horrible thing that looks like. Someone's lost their love for a spouse. It's horrible and it, it doesn't look good, does it? He, he says this because it is evidenced by their lack of obeying him. And he gives a little bit of detail about that. Say you love Jesus, but you do not want to obey his commands. I think James 1.22 ought to be brought to our attention. The mirror. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Listening is love, but the living of it out is the true love. Loving God is seen in loving one another as well. See, this is another thing. People say they love God. Oh, they might even show up for worship, but they don't want anything to do with his people. That doesn't compute either. All the one another's in the New Testament alone. But Jesus speaks to this directly. If you love God, keeping my commandments will be including what I say to do to one another, which is to love them. Look at verses 34 and 35. Excuse me, that should be 24 and 25. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hears not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things I have spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Uh, my apologies. I'm wondering if I'm looking at chapter uh, uh, 15 when I jotted that down. Please forgive me. I'm going to need to come back to that. 
uh, but there are not verses 34 and 35 and verse 14. But he discusses the experience of loving one another. But we do have that with John also in 1 John 4, verses 7, 11 to 12, 20 and 21. And I have written that down for you. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Beloved, notice even the addressing of one another as beloved. <laughs> beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. You know, there are those who love doctrine and love to fight about it. This is what elders are not allowed to be, remember, in some of the qualifications. It can't be argumentative. It doesn't mean we aren't ready to give an argument that is a defense of the faith and discussion of things, but to love to argue. And then there are many who love the truth, so to speak. I guess they say they love Jesus, who is the truth, but they want nothing to do with his body if it isn't absolutely perfect. Somehow justify staying away from everyone. What is that? It's not love. It's therefore not love of God. It's often really love of oneself. When people ask you, why are you so worried about keeping all God's commands? Why are you so worried about the regulative principle and only offering what God wants and nothing he doesn't in worship? And why are you so concerned about being at church all the time and church fellowship and service? Why are you worried about all that? Say this, something like this, because I love God. Because he first loved me. Because he sent his son to die for me. No man has greater love than this, but to lay down his life for a friend. And he's given me many brethren who love on me. I pray you will one day know true love of Jesus, who is the truth. You can speak about it. I hear you all speaking about it as we come along one another and help one another right now. I know Mrs. Raglan especially has expressed with Becky and Mr. Vantes the, the love of the church supporting and helping her right now. You know, sadly, maybe too many don't experience that in certain places, but they should. And the answer is not to choose not to love, but to love and help one another love more. Can you imagine not having the love of the brethren? And then could you imagine saying you love God, the Father, or Jesus, his Son? Be interested in loving God by keeping his commandments, and then you will be just like Jesus. You say you love Jesus. Then you want to be just like Jesus, right? Look at verse 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. I love the Father. How do you know? I kept his commandments. He talks about his love for the Father all through the Gospels in John, and what does he say? I love my Father, I've done everything he's told me, sent me to do. 
I've kept all your commandments. I haven't lost one of your sheep. I've kept them all. He often talks about his love of the Father and the mutual love from the Father and that he has been sent to do something and he has done everything God wanted him to do. And by the way, if he didn't, that would be sin and then you wouldn't be saved. He said in the Gospels he did what the Father sent him to do because he loved the Father. That's what love is. So in Psalm 40 verse 8, which is quoted in Hebrews 10 verse 9, saying this is Jesus speaking, he says this, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Jesus says at the end here, I love my Father and I do everything he's commanded me. And so Psalm 40, verse 8 again, I delight to do thy will. Your laws in my heart, I love to live it out. Indeed, beloved, let keeping Christ's commands not only be your duty, but your delight, your devotion. I wrote an article a number of years ago for placefortruth.org, and the question was, uh, this one would have been only for pastors to write. If you could preach only one sermon, what would that sermon be? And I think I was motivated by our men's study with Jonathan Edwards at the time, which is a couple years ago. We've been slowly making our way through. It's one of those books you highlight almost every sentence. You know? But I, I quote him a lot, and you could read it if you like. My message was this. If I could preach one sermon... If it was my last sermon I could ever preach, or my only sermon I could ever preach, it would be this. Two words. Love God. Love God. Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. Psalm 31, verse 23. And look at the benefit that you will enjoy, verses 16 to 17. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I remember that was a sense of our, that was one of the main things of our assurance we studied last week in the morning. Christ's prayer in John 17, last Lord's Day evening, last Lord's Day morning, what's a great sense of assurance of our salvation that we can know? The Holy Spirit in us, testifying to us. Here it's said again, Romans 8, 1 John 3, where we also were. But notice... The happy, reassuring presence of the Spirit because of good works, obeying His commands. These good works serve to strengthen your assurance as fruits of a true and lively faith to manifest your thankfulness. Again, as quoted last week, the Westminster Confession of Faith, section, uh, chapter 16, on good works, verse, uh, section 2. Paragraph 2. You see, good works are a means of your assurance. The Holy Spirit uses that. There's this aspect of abiding and growing and experience real true love in the living out of the love, which is the doing of his commands. And the Holy Spirit gives you a greater sense of assurance of salvation as you keep Christ's commandments. And he testifies to your spirit, your children of God, because you love God's commandments. So you love God.
The Holy Spirit will teach you what Christ taught you. Verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Oh, see, this is the Holy Spirit. He's a spotlight that shines on Jesus and his teachings and commands. Some people make this thing of the Holy Spirit that isn't scriptural. What does the Holy Spirit do? He doesn't draw attention to himself. He draws attention to Jesus Christ, and he draws attention to the commands of Christ. What does he teach us? Recall. All right, let's review. Let's catechize, you might say. The Holy Spirit teaches us what Jesus has taught us. And what does Jesus teach us? Commandments. Keep my commandments. The Holy Spirit will help you love Jesus by keeping his commandments. And in so doing, he will build your sense of assurance. Not that you earn that, but it testifies that to you. Because as Jesus has said, people that don't want to keep his commands, that aren't convicted, I want to love better. That aren't convicted, I'm sorry how little I love. Those who just don't care and are jaded and not moved at all by this message right now. It's not possible that you love Christ if that would be you. But if you're convicted and you're moved by, do you love me? And let me see the evidence of it. Are you wanting to keep my commands? Are you seeking to guard and do them? And grow in that experience of love. You know, isn't that what we enjoy when we do things out of love for our, our friends and family and especially our spouses? There is just this experience of that love that's kind of fanned, right? The flame grows in the doing of things that we know our lovers love. 2 John 6 says this, and this is love. All right, you ready? All right, he's asking you tonight, do you love me? What is love? Okay, here it is. We really have the answer already. Said another way, and this is love, 2 John 6, that ye walk after his commandments. This is the commandment. That, as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. That idea of walking. Like Abraham and the patriarchs spoke of the Lord before whom I walked all my life. You could have said the Lord whom I loved by making that expression. The scripture talks about loving Jesus as walking with him. What did he say to the apostles? Follow me. And in the keeping of his commandments to do that, you get up and you leave things behind to do that. Because whom you love more. Walk. This is love. Walk after his commandments. As ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. This is the commandment. Love. Walk with God according to the way he says to walk with him. Again, that's another metaphor in the scriptures for obeying God, walking with God. Just as in Psalm 1, who are you going to walk with? The world or with God's people? And that's an example and a sign of who you love, who you want to be with, who you want to walk with. So keeping Christ's commands should be the way you walk. The way you walk, the way you love, where you walk, and whom you love to walk with. 
You know when a couple is all lovey-dovey, you know, at a park? You ever see this, you know, on the park bench maybe, or walking along close together, hand in hand, or arm in arm, or sometimes we say joined at the hip to express that idea of people who really love to be with one another? Nearly as one person, after all, marriage is called one flesh union. The husband will walk on the side near traffic or near the cliff to guard and protect the one he loves, but they're walking together. Even God uses the scriptures, right? The prophet can two walk together unless they be agreed. <laughs> well, how can you walk with God if you don't want to agree with him about the way to walk? But what don't you see? I mean, you never point to this and say, oh, you can tell there's some lovebirds over there. If they're walking on the other side of the street, one on this side, one on that side. Well, you don't tend to think, oh, look how they love one another, right? Or if they're walking in opposite directions, you're not even thinking they're together, right? Jesus says, if you love me, walk with me. Keep close to me. And this is the only way I go. Because I am the way. And it's a narrow way. And most people don't love me. And they won't go by it. And their end is, they won't be with me. Jesus says he has loved you like that. You love him like that by loving and keeping his commandments. And Jesus again asks you this question. Do you love me? He's asking each one of you right now. Do you love me? May it touch your heart. And may you say, of course I love you. Like Peter. May it not, may it break your heart he'd even have to ask. Isn't it obvious? Well, you did just deny me three times, right? Although he did pray for him and told him it was going to happen. And he protected him from Satan. Do you love me? Three times. And in fact, he's affirming Peter. Yes, you know, Lord. And what's the answer? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. That's how we'll see this love. Care for the flock. Beloved, be his sheep. Follow after him. Keep all his words. Keep all his ways dear to your heart. And thus, coming out of your mouth and out of your limbs. Be touched by this question, do you love me? And if it is so, Jesus says, you will be keeping his commandments. And you will not make excuses. And beloved, you and I will make excuses all the time for acceptable sins, right? We'll make excuses for our pride. We'll make excuses for our lack of doing things we should. We'll make excuses for our lack of attentiveness, our lack of devotion. Remember, sins of omission are just as much violating his commands. We'll make all kinds of excuses, but the truth is that isn't love. May we be touched by the question. May your heart be touched right now, because Jesus is literally here preaching through the earthen vessel, and he's asking you, do you love me? Do you love me? There's not a more important question you could be asked, and there's not a more important answer you could give. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Help me to keep your commands. That I'd abide more in your love with the Father, in the Spirit, 
and in the body and with the body. Be touched by the question and be eager to display your love to him and one another and the watching world. If you love Christ, keep his commandments. That is the message for you this evening. Essentially the same as what Jesus says in our verse. If you love Christ, keep his commandments. And when you have to motivate yourself or check yourself, you say, because I love Jesus. We have to explain yourself to others, although you don't really have to. You say, because I love Jesus. That's it. I love Jesus. God loved me. Jesus loved me. I love him. That's it. That's it. That's everything. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, forgive us for loving you too little and rebelling against your law. Work your love in us, O Lord, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and let us see that in the keeping of your commands. Help us to love you better and to love our neighbor better and to love our brethren more. Thank you for first loving us. Help us to walk closer to you and with your body and that it would be a joyous, delightful thing for us just as it is with you. Let us be just like you and let us just love you. And we pray in your name and all your people say in love.